Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Secret Records and or Season 1. I'm Kaylin. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. Secret Records is where we talk about things outside our normal and extra issues. It could be Rick and Morty. It could be Dark. It could be White Lotus. It could be a what if where we imagine they're all the same show. <laughs> um, it's just like an extra, extra issue. Uh, and this one, we're talking about Disney's newest addition to the Star Wars universe. It's the slow, slow burn political thriller about the development of the resistance to the Empire and the journey of Cash and Andor into it. That's like our short little synopsis. If you haven't seen it, we love it, despite what the ratings suggest. It should be loved as much as. Um, so here's a longer synopsis. There's basically four main tracks that the story follows. The first is Cash and Andor himself. Uh, so he is obviously the eponymous character who comes from Rogue One, uh, but set five years prior. He's a child taken from his soon-destroyed home who finds himself increasingly at the heel of the Empire's boot. Uh, there's the Imperial Security Bureau, uh, ISB. They are the worst of the Empire's policing arms, a Gestapo of creative and cruel officers hunting down Andor and any members of a budding rebellion. There's the formative resistance. The resistance right now consists of uh, loose, chaotic activity by savvy ideological players leading different factions, some out in the open, some underground and behind masks. And then lastly, the Senate, which is probably primarily led by Senator Mon Mothma. And this is about the politics of trying to check an empire that no one else wants to put checks on while secretly fundling, funding, <clears throat> while secretly fondling, fondling uh, <laughs> <laughs> while secretly funding the operations of resistance groups. All right. So first, just a little like trajectory for us as people who consume Star Wars content. Yes. We originally joked, what's the fucking point of this series? Mm-hmm. And it seems unnecessary. Why do they need to make every minute of Star Wars actually on screen? Then the trailer came out and we kind of got a little bit more warmed up to the possibilities of it. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. we're still worried that it would be pretty dicey. Mm -hmm. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's great. And here's why you're wrong. I'm kidding. I want to know, you know, before we get into some of the details, what is one reason why we were so wrong? Like, uh, what is what is something in the show that you thought, okay, this was way better than I could have possibly expected? I think we've been trained over the years as Star Wars fans to if uh, if Obi-Wan or Luke aren't showing up in some sort of form or fashion and that sort of family being somewhat connected, we're, we're trained as these fans of this to not like it. And so when this truly and throughout the entire series – what's kind of self-contained other than some Rogue One characters that some of them don't even play a big part. But it's we, we've been trained for so long to hate anything that's not directly related to it. But at the same time, we wanted it. So we finally got this. And uh, <laughs> what? I just like how your sentence sounded like an end of a question and you didn't know what else you were supposed to say. Correct. Um, and also it was a self-contained story that they... Um, it's just nice to have that when Star Wars because it is we've nice been to have dying that. for that for many years. Yeah, trilogies. <laughs> Talking about all trilogies okay, here. Just, okay, every Ryan's, trilogy Ryan's ever. Putting you on notice. Uh, trilogy. I, uh, I I agree with everything Brian said. Not only are we trained to not like stuff that doesn't involve the Skywalkers, the Jedi, the Sith, we're trained to expect it, especially in um, with the exception of Rogue One, which obviously this is a prequel of. Um, everything that Star Wars has been part of since Disney took it over, and even before that, when Lucas did the prequels, it was all mired in this, like you know, almost incestuous, like dynastic stuff uh, um, uh, about about a galaxy that seemed really, really small. Um, I'm just impressed the show got made. I'm impressed that Disney allowed it to get made. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, allowed it to get made because this isn't a Star Wars show. This is a gritty uh, thriller, like on HBO in Star Wars drag. Totally, yeah. it is absolutely like I was riveted. It's got the slow burn, even in the first couple episodes. We're like, I think I like it, but I'm not really sure. It seems really slow, and then when it ratches it up, the action, every beat and every decision feels earned. 
I think that the I felt the same way in the first few episodes that I did about Game of Thrones when it first came out. Yeah. That there, it feels like there's a lot going on that I do not understand what it is. For me, the thing that I was the most wrong about was that I assumed that every Star Wars property for now and forever was going to be made for children. Yeah. That, that every portrayal of good and evil in the universe is Manichaean and that there are literally no shades of gray that can be involved. And this entire show is about how fucked up the process of forming a resistance is, how much more evil the Empire could be Absolutely. than you imagined it could, and that it doesn't shy away from the brutality of that while still maintaining ostensibly a PG type status. Yeah. It's um I'm surprised from the very fucking first second it didn't go bam 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 on Star Wars on Star Wars like literally from the second like it starts so <laughs> slow. Oh, that classic so, Star Wars theme. That, that, that is yeah. Star Wars. It is Star Wars. But And it, they put the words to it. But it, so the main complaint that made unfortunately a lot of people drop off of this in the very beginning is that it is so slow. Yeah. And that's not bad. That's intentional. And it has so many characters that you don't know. So critically, the series is receiving rave reviews, but the ratings aren't doing well. Yeah. What do you think is causing the disparities between these two populations? I, I mean, we've seen the same complaints that they give normally about wokeness and stuff like that. There's been a broader move, a split between the stuff that critics like and the stuff audiences like. Does it stray from the Star Wars spirit too much? What do you make of all uh, these factors? I think it's kind of what Ryan said. Because it has such a slow start, I know so many people who said, yeah, that first episode really didn't hook me and I didn't stay on, even though Disney was smart enough to release the first three episodes, which is almost like a mini arc, because episode three is where a lot of the action plays out, at least for arc one. Yeah. But it's that's still time. You know, It's like you've invested 45, 50 minutes, and you're like, I'm just not into it. And... Part of it is also one of the criticisms I have of the show, as much as I love uh, Diego Luna, great eye candy, Andor is the least interesting part of a show. Uh, and by spending a lot of time with him, um, you're you're like, he's just not as compelling a character as the people around him. I think this was intentional a little bit because I think what they're saying, maybe they don't even know that they're saying this, but they're saying... The, the characters that we give names to in this universe, they don't need to be the focal point. They don't need to be the most interesting that actually thing that actually happens. Sure. So I think this is hopefully changing the universe as a whole. So we, we might see these iconic people, but it doesn't have to be their story because it's not his story uh, and for most of it, honestly. He is the... Other than like some of the prison break stuff, which we will get into. Like, yeah. He is the least captivating person yeah. <laughs> in this. I think there's also a feature of having a built-in audience that because the Star Wars audience among fandoms can be some of the most toxic and the, oh, thousand percent. the, the most yeah. opinionated about something not being exactly what the things were before, that this is a very different type of show. And it's almost like you've got to build a completely different new kind of Star Wars fan base that that kind of thing is just going to take time on its own. But I'm, I'm hopeful that they're willing to put more work into this than than repeating the same stuff that just wasn't working. People were sick of getting the same thing. Someone yeah. someone said online, they're like, uh, original Star Wars fans are 50, 60 plus now. We're allowed an adult show <laughs> at this point. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. And Why are we not doing that? And also, to your point, uh, Brent, about you know the good and evil uh, in Star Wars being so Manichaean, it's just it's we're just told these, these factions are good or evil. Actually, showing the the banality of evil about the bureaucracy of the Empire and like the little things that they do, like it's like we've been in those like corporate type board meetings, but this is about like crushing people's spirits. Oh, maybe it is like capitalism. Never mind. <laughs> um, it's a thousand percent. <laughs> and it was like it was absolutely terrifying. It was utterly terrifying. So let's talk about the protagonist, Cashin Andor. His journey is the, probably the broadest possible narrative you could have for a protagonist, where he's going from group of people to group of people to experience what their life is like under the Empire. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's kind of, so he's an orphan from a genocided planet, Yeah. Uh, Canari, 
um, and he becomes kind of an outlaw via his adoptive parents. He gets entangled with spy master Luthen Rael, who is played by Stellan Skarsgård, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, who conscripts him for a heist. And uh, then Cashin is ultimately arrested on bullshit charges and put away in prison before escaping. <laughs> He's literally the Empire's most wanted, and he accidentally yeah, gets it's locked like, up. It's for so like, fucking... I love that. It's, 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 like, it's littering. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very... It's That'll very, be six it's, years, please, for a can on the floor. Like It's, it's very outrageous. Coen Brothers in that yeah. sense. You know, yeah. It's like the sort of like accidental thing leading to a much darker consequence. So... With a character like Cash and Andor, who I don't think was the most beloved character from Rogue One, surely it's a hard pitch to any random potential audience member. Hey, c- come watch the show about this Remember guy. the guy you don't remember from Rogue One? Yeah. Well, this show is about him. He and, wasn't that girl in Rogue One? And yeah. is basically what a lot yeah. of people in said. In the movie, he, he wasn't is, Rogue or One. <laughs> he is kind of a Han Solo-ish, roguish type. Is there anything that separates him from the other rogues we've seen? Is there any value you could see in him as a character maybe going forward? I think, and this kicks off the entire series, this bitch will kill someone. He will shoot you in the fucking face and not think twice about it. And we don't see that a lot in the Star Wars universe. So it's kind of not... It's refreshing. It's really nice. It's really refreshing to see someone shoot someone in the face. I'm just tired of but, people I asking mean, questions first and then shooting. In, in theory, I think what we're going to get to with this series is like the when he kills those people in the very beginning, that has leads basically everything for yeah, the, the show. The catalyst. This yeah. is that's sort of the catalyst for the entire uh rebellion, which is like so I I think what he has a grittiness that a lot of these like supposed smugglers do i mean look at boba fett now he's basically like cuddly yeah he like he takes a back to nap every fucking day and like kisses <laughs> like baby yoda to go uh, to sleep he needs you know? those spa days okay <laughs> but he's just grittier honestly he's in, a, grittier, in a real way and he's he's haunted and they actually show like what's haunting him you know like this guy this guy's got some demons uh and they don't shy away from that you know it's like they kind of hint at it with han solo but like yeah, he's just he's so charming, you know. It's Harrison Ford and whoever the guy played him in Solo, uh, or even even Mando, you know, who's supposed to be this incredibly like badass bounty hunter. You know, he's like bonded with this like you know little baby Yoda, uh, a Grogu, and so uh, allowing Andor to truly be yes, he's got a moral conscience, he's got a compass, but he's got some serious shit in his background, and it is absolutely motivating him. To make you know to make the decisions that he makes, I like him as a character because maybe m- maybe because he, he's you. Well, he doesn't. I don't necessarily want the most dynamic character to be in the lead because I'll hmm. get I couldn't very easily get sick of them. I think that his role in this is kind of what the lead role was supposed to be in Rogue One. That it's a person who is not part of the resistance and then has to be convinced to join it. But yeah. the problem of a movie is that you've got a very a much more limited uh, time frame. Right. And if the character keeps resisting the call to action, it just stalls anything in any interesting development. Yeah. Here, they, I think, work a nice balance of trying to show you how someone can become radicalized, that they might be the worst person in the galaxy. But if there's some organization that is worse and will do whatever it takes to get what they want, you can push aside your selfishness and join a higher cause. Yeah. I I would agree. Yeah. It's also he's um not just a white dude. He's like from an indigenous people <laughs> and was like an orphan. Like he's got much more backing like for all his reasoning, I feel like can I, in can a way. I, can I just also add just to that point you made, mm-hmm. this Star Wars series made it actually feel like there was differences among the planets and the galaxy with their own cultures. Yes. Yeah. And they showing that that it was true world building, not just another fucking desert planet, you know, whether it's Tatooine or Jakku or whatever the fuck. Yeah, they have Miami now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they do have Miami. The planet of Miami. Um it's a prison planet too, weirdly. <laughs> I know, sad. Yeah. Uh but like showing that like the different locales and like the different cultures around it, it just added to the richness of the show. Totally. So speaking of um white dudes who are a problem 
uh, Cashin's primary antagonist is Scott Platten. Oh, sorry. Uh, Cyril Karn. You motherfucker. I, you read <laughs> my mind. We love you, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Cyril Karn, who is Podcast, a Scott. vitamin deficient ISB officer who failed to capture Cashin uh, originally and then was punished for it and is trying to climb his way back up to being part of this elite group that's hunting him down. But on a real note, our, our first like Jewish character we have in the Star Wars universe, I think there's a lot of comparisons that people have brought. No, no. That. What about the really offensive Watto, uh, which oh, is God. just so anti-Semitic? Okay. Um, Are you an angel? No, <laughs> I'm Watto. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's a chance prob- cubes. Yeah, it's yeah. a problem to do the voice given how yeah. anti-Semitic that character is. Yeah. But I did think it was very interesting to include all the scenes with his mother. Yes. Um and show how you've got a character who is just obsessed with the empire and the rule of law. I'm curious what you guys think of him as a foil for Andor and whether or not you think someone like him could eventually turn against the empire or becomes the kind of big bad that you know would define a star wars series uh i think he was actually a great character i mean like the showing the the depth of the character with his weird relationship with his mother um and this guy this guy is this guy exemplifies middle management Mm -hmm. this dude is like i all i want is to be part of the system and i see someone like andor who is bucking the system and i'm going to do everything i can to make sure that the system clamps down on him. I don't want him to turn. I don't want him to be a good guy. I want him to remain yeah. a cog and have a weird fucked up relationship with What's-Her-Face, who we'll talk right? about. Yeah. Do yes, you think it's... You. Okay, so I've never said this about people because I don't think it's a term that people... He's a twerp. He is a fucking twerp. He's he just a twerp. He's just fucking annoying and... To see this in corporate America a lot, like there's people like this that exist. So it's nice to see that terrible representation. It, evil representation needs to be existing as well. And uh, the most fascinating thing is his obsession with Deidre, which yes. I don't know why, because they're both terrible people, but I am shipping them so hard. He I is, want them together. He is I love them. Defined by obsession. He's obsessed with his job. He's yeah. obsessed with Andor. He's obsessed with following the rules. Wearing light blue. Deidre. Yeah. That guy is just white Eating knuckle pebbles. gripping reality. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, we got a little blue milk. Hey, remember the blue milk? <laughs> milk. Yeah, they and have cereal like, in it. Star Wars. Yeah. Uh one of I think the defining scenes early on is when he is supposed to be leading that battalion and he's trying to give the inspirational speech oh, to his troops right. oh, yeah. and he absolutely cannot do it. It's so good that it reminded me of a work thing from several years ago where uh, this absolute idiot like was uh, put in charge of doing something. Do you something. want to say any names? Or no, no, I don't care. Call him out, Kalen. I don't care. <laughs> names don't matter at this point. It was Andor. Um, <laughs> he was trying to give a speech to all of us to inspire us, and he was terrible at public speaking, terrible at having a presence. And in this meeting, he was like, we're all going to just be together. We're all going to get, you know, do this fight together or whatever it was. And we all looked at each other. We're like, okay, cool. Are we supposed to clap now? Yeah. Like, it was <laughs> it, it was so true to life that, like, there's that person. I got the feeling the of twerp, like an, to Ryan's point. An Armando Anucci character. Like someone in Veep or the death of Stalin who's giving a speech and then the secondhand person's like, ah, that was a great job. Let's give them a round of applause. But it comes back to this show is only about public speaking. And I'll get into that later with the different characters we introduced. But it's basically just about public speaking and actually and actually truly trying to inspire the rebellion through your words, because that's all you kind of have in the sort of like where you don't have anything. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a few more uh, characters of Ferrix. Uh, there's uh, Bix. Bix, what's her last name? Bix, Kelly. Bix, I'm going to get shocked a lot and then cry. Yeah. Poor and, girl. And then Marva Andor. Uh, yeah. Marva is an interesting character to me because I feel like she just kidnapped a kid <laughs> and then a genocide also happened. I, I think there was a softness with her and she saw something to help this kid. But you speak on that more. Why do you think she, she is a monster? To me, I'm very curious <laughs> to hear more about what this what actually happened on uh, this planet, because 
it seems like a pre you know kind of hyperdrive tech yeah. civilization that is now in, just going to be like murdered by the empire that that crash landed on their planet um yeah that she shows up and just kind of like all right there's a kid here the stormtroopers are coming soon might as well take the kid she it, was trying to protect him i though. understand that she's trying to protect him but I also recognize that there's like a complicated moral nature to living in a galaxy where crazy shit happens all the time. I just think I got a gut reaction. Hey, you're just taking a kid. It's tough. I know. Yeah. And he was it, his approach in the spaceship, which is what his words um, was probably not right. Just smashing everything. Yeah. Um, well, what would you do? If you didn't have lick everything, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's also Marva's last name is Andor, so he got his last name from her. Yeah, yes. You, so he potentially has a, another last name. So for p- people when they're trying to be stupid in Star Wars universe later, they can connect him to some other stupid family. So maybe he'll be Skywalker later at some point. Okay, yeah. you perfect. <laughs> Fingers crossed. No, yeah. but they could. I'm just warning you uh, now. No, please no. But Does, I I really enjoy her. She's a phenomenal she's actress. Fiona she's Shaw. been around for a long fucking time. She. Yeah. She has chops, obviously. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about her death being off screen and sort of not featured at all? I liked it, actually, uh, because it was not the death wasn't dramatic, but the funeral was. Yes. And like and her sp- giving that message, that hologram, giant fucking King Kong hologram message was so fucking inspirational. It was so good. I got shows loved. about speeches. It is. <laughs> you got to remember. The shows about speeches. I think I think it's it would have been a waste of time to ha- show her death because I actually feel like her character was not fully fleshed out. That that the most interesting part about her uh, was that she basically has this late turn in life of recognizing I'm so old. What do I care if I die? Let me start rebellion now. Also, we didn't see it. So is she dead? Do we think she's actually dead? Like, I mean, oh, there, there's I a possibility. Okay, that, but I that'll mean, be an, that'll be annoying feel, if she's not. It'd be it it'd be nice to have some flashbacks of her though, because I would like I to know that. more of that backstory. And um, I'll, also, one thing that is very Star Wars is they inter introduced um, a droid that I love. This guy. Oh, what a sweetie! He was he was a nice guy. Bt B two emo. B2 is that his emo. name? B two yeah. emo. He has a. Uh, delightful little stutter. He can't lie yeah. very effectively without using all of his power because he's got cheap. He's definitely cheap got batteries. seasonal depression. Unfortunately, that is the saddest um, Martin little robot hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Everything's going terrible. You always say you're going to come back. And you're like, oh, Gat- Cassian, Gat- <laughs> Cassian. Aww. I do love that all these droids have like little personalities. Like yeah, me too. I mean, C3PO is a little priss. You know, R2D2 is kind of a badass. We uh, always talk about like there's going to be a Star Wars movie eventually where all the droids are like, "What the fuck?" and like there's an uprising. K2SO. This is yeah, the most, exactly, but more like all of them come together. The way that other characters interacted with the B- B2 emo it, to me <laughs> uh, was a signal that maybe the show was actually going to finally start dealing with the two class system that exists in the galaxy. Of sentient beings that are biological and sentient beings that are built, mm-hmm. they they all treated him with humanity. No one pretended like he wasn't a, a fully functioning sentient being. Right, that he had his own choices in life to make. Um, they only touched on that really in Solo when that yeah. happened. You oh know, God, which the, is the <laughs> toughest version of it. It is, but I didn't mind it. But it was a little rushed. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, movie compared to TV series. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the ISB, which is a little bit too close to IBS, in my opinion. Girl, what if it was the <laughs> IBS? So, you know, they're following Andor and the movements of the Resistance. Uh, they get Deidre Miro to kind of step up uh, to use her own brutal methods of investigation, including regular old torture. Uh, she also seizes power from other departments. Uh, she is just making things happen for herself. And is in a very Game of Thrones type position, high council type position of I will fuck over every other coworker who tries to get in my way. Fair. Um, what did you guys think of this particular organization within the Empire 
Why were they necessary to the story? And are there any things that you would want to fix about them? I like them because uh, you can show the horror of like something like a stormtrooper or a TIE fighter or something like that, which the show did well. But showing like kind of like these are just some sad sack people. Yes. The Empire comes in town. They're the biggest employer and they pay the biggest paychecks and give you the biggest benefits. You're gonna take it. Maybe you're gonna, and your job is to brutalize people. Yeah, baby girl, that's Amazon. Um, it's wow. uh, it's it's wild to see how captivating just arguments at a staff meeting are. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but but I'm and, like, and yeah, get him. I, Budgets. Like, why am I like Deidre? Yeah, you should. Fucking why are go you after rooting him. for these people and then also counting know. the number of blue squares on their? Oh god! Lapels. But that is phenomenal storytelling. So the, it it's yes. just so well done. And the quips, baby, oh passive aggression. They uh, are on top. sassy. What if you made Wall Street Bros? It's in control of an empire. They don't even have a hold on it the way they do. It's so good. My only criticism of them as an organization or, or them utilizing the show is that I kind of wish that one of their members was like disappeared that you could still see how they are also permanently part of this system and there's nothing that they're going to change so they might as well dig in deeper mm, um, that's interesting yeah. yeah that they become like the council for Stalin or something I, th- I always just picture them actually doing these scenes and afterwards they're like they're like, and cut. And then everyone's like, because oh. everyone feels so like wound Disgusting, up. Yeah. And, like, disgu- it's it's got to be tough. But the the acting in the show is phenomenal. We see it with these scenes. We see it. Everything is so well done. Yeah. Um, Obsessed. So I think there's another feature of the of this organization that's very enjoyable, which is the chess making. The the fact that they're using different tools and techniques like oh we've captured this ship and killed all the people on it what if we just left it there so that someone could find it but we you know left a tracer on it um was there anything that they did that you found particularly creative or interesting was there any part of their behavior like for a character like mira i'm curious where you are sorry deidre where do you want to see her go as far as like her development within the organization. Well, you mentioned earlier the torture, the torture of Bix um, was one of the most, probably the, the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in any kind of Star Wars property. Um, and it didn't show any violence. It was just a description of what it was going to be. And then when the torturer who had a very like pleasant and, you know, jovial, like sort of visage is just explaining to her like, yeah, this is what it is. And, We've isolated, so we think it's the kids. And after a couple of minutes, you're going to go fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and it was... I have nightmares about that still. Uh, I think that, again, the banality of evil was so well done. And, like, no no appearance by the Emperor, no appearance by Darth Vader, none of the, you know, you know the various Sith Lords that are out there. Yeah. Uh, it just showed real people being fucking monsters. Well, I'd, <clears throat> I think if, if we're, you know, thinking about the most horrifying, I kind of like that question. Uh, to me, it's the prison. Uh, also our, very our, horrifying. Our yeah. Five, that, yeah. That you've got this, uh, <laughs> these rafts out in the middle of the ocean that are manufacturing parts to who knows what we do know what. Uh, mm-hmm. And that the organization is basically run by a handful of guards. And what really keeps the prisoners all locked up is the mentality that they're being viewed by an overwatching state. Um, what did you think about the prisons, Ryan? It's, Tell me about them. It's literally the best thing that Star Wars has ever done. The, those prison, the, those three episodes were the best thing that Star Wars has ever done. And it doesn't feel like Star Wars at all, but I, it, you were so... And in- you're including making Jar Jar Binks a senator, right? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Well, some exclusions yeah, apply, yeah, yeah. but uh, it it was it was literally the best thing we've ever seen, and to see it, I it just it it felt so claustrophobic, so I felt so nervous the entire time we were in the prison. It did such a good job of storytelling, and the way that I a lot of TV shows can't do, 
it felt like a completely different movie was just put in the middle of the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Like it felt, Logan's Run or something. It felt literally out of nowhere. So the movie, it's actually is, is THX 1138, George Lucas's movie before Star Wars. If you look at some of the comparisons oh. of uh, like uh, at least the <gasps> aesthetics uh, of a sort of a, I've never seen THX 1138, so I can't really speak. To the, all the plots of it because it rolls off the tongue so easily. It does, <laughs> uh, but it it um it, it is about like a uh you know somebody who is incarcerated and what that person has to do to kind of like deal with that sort of that 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 kind of society. It is an homage to what Lucas tried to do before Star Wars. I think it was so fucking clever. As soon as I saw the white jumpsuits, I was like, "That's what this is." So um, terrifying. Yeah. So in that uh, horrible, horrible place, Andor meets. Uh, Kino Loy, who is played by Andy Serkis. Yep. This kind of notes to the grind. I'm the top of the prisoners manager. I've got a certain number of shifts left and then I'm 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 out. I'm out, baby. And mm-hmm. we find out that people are just shuffled back around to the prisons. Oh. And when someone finds out, when a floor finds out that a person was just shuffled back around, they kill, they kill everyone in that floor. I don't know how many times you can do that, though. I know. Logistically, I was thinking, why not send them to a different facility or completely or like... A... I think probably you would you would threaten they the got prisoner. La- they got lazy. I think that's what it yeah, was. I so, think it, someone made a slip up. And then they said that, actually. Yeah, somebody made, made a slip up. up. They're like, oh, this person shouldn't have been cycled where other people could recognize them. And then they fucked up. The system fucked up. Uh, okay. I assume that they would tell peop- tell these prisoners, hey... If you tell anyone that you came from another part of the prison, I'm gonna be so mad at you. We will just be—we're not gonna be mad, but we're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> and by disappointing, we means we're gonna electrocute you. By we the will—we ki- will kill you and every person you know in yeah. this prison. Uh, oh God, that sense of just oh is so terrifying. And the plan would not have worked. Let's be honest. On some level, <laughs> I think they—they they were doing a lot of uh, initiative to like make yeah. that work, but. For them to kill those guards was a very big effort that a lot of people had to die for, and I appreciate their sacrifice. But yeah. um, it was... It, Wait, what do you mean their plan wouldn't have worked? I don't know if the, like, the guards wouldn't have just shot everyone in the room. To me, it feels like... Uh, that feels like, uh, from any of the stories you hear about how people escape from prison, that it is roughly that. There's a little bit of creativity, there's a fuck ton of luck, and then there is some blind spots... On the part of guards. And I'm sure these guards were not trained for totally ever trained. actually doing anything. No, yet. it was uh, arrogance of the Empire that there's no way, yeah. like, we have a foolproof prison. No one's getting they out. They clock mm. in, hungover. Yeah. Exactly. They've been drinking too much blue milk with some, you know, <laughs> yeah. rum in it. What The other thing I liked about the prison also, it was, um, this whole show is a wonderful, you know, uh, reflection of where we are as a society. Rise of fascism, of course. But also um, the uh, the for profit prison system yes. in this country of uh, specifically utilizing prisoners to do quote unquote like projects work projects um, and this being um, you know clearly you find out at the end of season one they're building like sprockets essentially yeah. for um, spacey sprockets no I'm kidding oh, uh, for the for the Death Star yes uh, which I anticipated I don't know about you guys I certainly did but it was still. Very satisfying. I thought it was going to be Legos because you know how Star Wars loves Lego stuff. They so do much. love yeah. Lego stuff. I assumed it was going to be some major military component. I didn't think it was going to be. The, I thought it was going to be like these are ATATs or whatever. But or like yeah, Star Destroyers. I do really enjoy the. Uh, all right, it's really hard to make the Death Star scary. It destroys planets. We know. Yeah. But at a certain point, we're kind of inoculated to that because Star Wars does it all the fucking. Time. How do you make the Death Star more evil? Oh yeah, it's built on the backs of slaves. Honestly, uh, and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is the most evil fucking tool, yeah, out there. And the way that they like uh, give it energy and fuel is by like puppies being put into like these like, <laughs> I know, these, like they- furnaces. <laughs> it's like we need more puppies, huh? They're like mining. They're like we got to equally mine uh, kyber crystals and butterflies. <laughs> Whenever a droid becomes too sentient, they just suck out the soul out of it. <laughs> yeah, like, they actually have a machine that makes souls. Puts them in droids and then sucks those souls out of the droids. And all great. of our favorites escaped. Yeah, it's uh, wow. That those episodes and also that speech that speech that Andy Circus gives is fucking great. At the end, 
because Andor tells him you have to do this, and he's like he's uh, he's unsure at first. Yeah, and Andor gives him you know the power of love or but whatever. This, this show is about speeches, and um and then unfortunately he can't goddamn swim at the end. <laughs> Oh, damn yeah. it that was so sad that, that to me felt the and most like even, reading a, a, he didn't a even sci-fi get novel a that, thousand that's just like oh the person that you really liked there's some gosh now i really do have doubt about their success and he didn't even get to say goodbye because he got knocked off too. yeah it was just so sad do you want to see him again next season or would you like to i would say? like to see him not connected to andor at all and he's just somehow made it out and is really fucked up I would like that's to what see, I want. <laughs> I would like to see him in a non uh, a brief but non deus ex machina capacity. Yes. That you come back and find him and he is so far radicalized and he uses his skills in leading and organizing people to kind of become a general. But he is not there to save the day. Yeah. Uh, uh, OK. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay, so speaking of uh, saving the day, mm-hmm. the resistance right now is a mess. There is political factioning by uh, by people like Saw Guerrera uh, and other ideologues. It, they don't have money. They don't have a central voice. They don't yeah. know what they're doing. Um, as well, the person helping fund the operation, or at least their middleman, is Luthen Rael, who is just moving lives around like it's a chess game. Yeah. How excited were you about? seeing Saw Gerrera return, who is the only other character who connects to Rogue One. Mm, it was okay and, and K2, obviously, but yeah. But just, it was like, but it was a, not Cam- more the, of a cameo. Yeah, that was a different K2 droid. It wasn't our K2. Well, I don't know. Yeah, like, it was, it I was don't not that same K2, but, yeah. but I think that might still have been voiced by Alan Todiak. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. I, I never, Saul was never my focal point in Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, but I like, he shows up in like the animated series and some other stuff too. And he's always, if you can believe it, very radicalized all the time. Yeah. Well, I like having this difficult, you know, terrorist, this extremist, uh, whose message you ultimately agree with, but you really don't agree with the methods. <clears throat> uh, having Luthen around, I thought was much more interesting and compelling though. Because you've now got some character who who hates all the things that the Empire makes him do in order to stop them. Um, what do you think of his motivations, him as a character? I'm do a, you believe him when he says, I'm doing this kind of for the future that I'll never see? Absolutely. I love his speech about, <laughs> um, about him saying, yeah, I know I am doing evil right now and i'm doing evil now because i have to combat evil which is yeah a crazy justification but i it's breaking eggs to make an omelet exactly yeah so it's i i think it's a little bit crazy i also love about him so much that he realized he has to keep up appearances where the quick little one second scene where he's like pretending to go back to his sort of like senator sort of like vibe of like oh, sort of flamboyant kind of gay okay. um, yeah. uh, like senator I, I love that he realizes he has to turn into that to even like give up this sort of I think every resistance in history uh, has people who make those kind of sacrifices if you think about like the French resistance against Nazis there were some people yes they were fighting the Nazis there were some people out there doing some bad shit and sacrificing, you know, certain individuals to be able to fight back. The American Revolution. The French Revolution. The French Revolution. All revolutions. Yeah. Not all. Some revolutions. Yeah. Dance Dance Revolution yeah. didn't, though. Um, the Underground Railroad. That, like, honestly, the, people were the, lying to people's faces, putting on fit. Like, honestly. Yeah. The bourgeoisie funding rebellions to overthrow the upper class. It's a tale as old as time. Oh, God. <laughs> or the 18th century. Yeah. Or 200 years. Yeah. He's so fun, but how much do you think his wares actually go for is my question. A fucking a lot of money. I looked through it. It didn't look like anything was good in there. He was No, like, but it was still expensive. <laughs> We've got Luke Skywalker's hand-holding place. I, I love, I'm obsessed with Vel, and when she went into that pawn shop that he owns, um, and I wish she was like, you know what? Just yelling at that sassy assistant. And I wish I wish she was like, you know what? I'll take the old lightsaber. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just. So this is my concern about his character is 
Um, I think he's an exceptional motivator, and it's yes. very interesting to see how he interacts with each part of an organization that does not exist yet. But I do have this back of the mind concern that, yeah, as a upper middle class type figure, that part of the reason he's doing this is he sees that there's an ability to overthrow the empire and that he could profit from that in the future. That if he comes out the other side, he becomes like a George Washington or some yeah. other really high political figure. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what he's banking on, too, obviously. Yeah, potentially. I also, uh, we didn't really talk about the heist very much yet, but what I liked about it was in the actual heist itself, um, you see the Imperial officers who are there. They're like gathering for the ceremony that the uh, natives of the planet that the, the heist is taking place on. Um, and there's like one, who, like the, the main officer is just like he's there with his wife and his kid and he's gotten a little fat and he can't like, you know, put on his belt or whatever and like he's bickering. Yeah. And, you know, you see like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit, but he's got a family and these rebels may actually... Thre they're threatening his family to be able to like get steel from the empire to fund the rebellion. So it shows like what sacrifices they have to make, moral and physical sacrifices, to be able to stop a greater evil. Let's talk about this fucking heist. I loved it. They stole dozens of gold bricks from the empire mm -hmm. uh, to fund their rebellion, and nearly everyone died in the process. I know. What did you think about this ragtag group of people? Uh, that, I mean, it's, they're like Chaucerian characters. Each has a different, ooh, backstory. What is your motivation? I'm a hacker. I, we're two lesbians. I used to work for the Empire. I currently work for the Empire. You're like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. everyone. And my name's Mark, and I hate the... Shut up. Okay. Y'all have a story. It could have gone sideways very quickly. Um, and it did. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like that kind of like scene jump and cast jump from episodes three to four i was like three was really good and i was like oh god what am i getting into in four and by the time you get to five you're like i'm a little more interested and in six you're like okay i'm invested mm -hmm. because i liked all those characters me too i thought they were great even that stupid hacker boy that we knew was gonna die he was the kid from um uh, at the end of the fucking world yes and the older douchebag guy is from the bear and girls and girls did you get like did you? Okay, because this is a gay okay. podcast. Uh, did Can you get, we like, remember? This is about speeches. Don't forget it. It's gay. <laughs> but did you get a vibe that he was into Andor a little bit? Was there a vibe at Which all? one? The, the one that the was... It, ultimately, that was a traitor that he shot Oh, the, the traitor. Because uh, Andor always has to shoot someone Maybe. In the face. I, yeah, I can actually I kind see, of was like... I can see that. Because yeah. they had like an... Remember when he was just like washing himself? He's like, I know what your tattoo he, means. Yeah, and he was just like bathing himself. Bathing his abs. Yeah. Yeah. And telling him that, oh, what's her face already is sharing a blanket with someone. Yeah. And I think it was implied. And then he said, come share my blanket. I want you to. Because no, me. come on my blanket. Because he was basically saying, like, Vel and Cinta are already, like, gay. Like, kind of Why could we you know be gay? I mean? like, yeah. Who knows? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> let's just see how I, this I thought, goes. I thought that group was really great the way they introduced it. You were immediately invested in everyone. And then I was kind of surprised that they all died, honestly. The consistency in the execution for their plan with the broader narrative of the story was what got me the most. Yeah. Specifically, culture. Yes. That, that they were so focused on how do we do the right thing to look like our enemy? What is it that we will be like? How will we actually practice uh, villainy in order to stop villains? Um I think that's great. And they spent that, you know, figuring out how to do a stupid walk. Um, also seeing some deaths that aren't like, even though this show is about speeches, but to see, <laughs> to see a death that just sort of like happens. It, and this show plays with it yeah. a lot, like e either uh, Marva being off of camera or him just dying in surgery. Um, just a random, uh, like the, the other guy that like died during the heist just got shot. Yeah. Like seeing that is more realistic to how. The show did not pretend like it meant more to Andor that one of these people was lost. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. And also it was a heist, but it wasn't a heist like Rick and Morty parodies or one of the oceans movies it's like and this is how they did it with like the, like you know fun like yeah. the quirky music <laughs> you know guns, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see how they did it some poorly guy, poorly some guy yes, was in a they box. fucked yeah. up yeah um i do I, I i like that little cultural tradition i mean 
I'm kind of glad that they didn't give a deep explanation of what these indigenous the people shower. Yeah. are doing yeah. and the whole purpose of it. The mystery, you know, you're not over explaining, but it does seem like they put cool. reverence on whatever the fuck they were doing without telling us what that was. Well, and what I liked about it as well is after the fact, when the Empire starts clamping down, they say, we will take away your culture. We will take away your rituals if you rise up rise up against yeah. us. Yeah. And you again, that's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying that an indigenous people who have had years, centuries, millennia of this culture and that like that is taken away from you're them. Festivals, you're fucking yeah. everything. You're yeah. fucking everything. It exactly. Is from the playbook of fascist dictatorships uh, to take one people's and either force them to adopt a completely different culture or move them to somewhere else where they are completely assimilated. We will destroy what it is that makes you unique and special. Yeah. It's just awful. And it's part of the flavors of evil that I think this show does better than any other Star Wars in, uh, franchise has. Can yeah. I just say, with this whole crew that was introduced, Vel is my favorite fucking character. I'm obsessed with Vel. She's sassy. She's a bitch. She's a lesbian. She's like, I'm obsessed with Vel. Like, yeah. I I need so much more. But I repeat myself. Yeah. <laughs> she is the main yeah. character. Vel for me. was. She was a South Asian woman. Yes. Yes. She yeah. Was. No. 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 Vel, Vel. Vel's the blonde bitch. Oh, blonde one. Oh, I thought. Yeah. Her girlfriend was even sassier because she was like, well, Sinta, she was she was all business. Cinta's like covered in blood and she's like, and what? I just yeah. took a bath. And or what? You'll hit me. And I, I, I avoided the blood. Like she she don't give a fuck. She will be dying and that's going to be sad in a future season. But I love Cinta. Can yeah. we talk about the genuine representation of queer characters? Here? Yes. That uh, we did not need two characters to say, thank God. The Empire allows homosexuality. I'm so glad I've got gay rights. Let's go have gay sex, whatever. It was literally, they are gay people who have a relationship, who exist and do other stuff. Yes. Their problems are not that they are gay. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Well done. Uh, Well, well done. Should we talk about some Mon Mothma? Can we talk oh about God. this fucking Senate? She's so good. Rebellions aren't cheap. I and, love not Gillian Anderson. And either <laughs> are her wardrobes. Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. So Senator Mon Mothma, she is putting her money where her mouth is, and she is funding Lutherell to the tune of 400,000 Republican credits. Which isn't that much. I mean, I don't know what a Republican credit is worth, but in this world, yeah, I guess they don't really keep don't it consistent. Don't do a lot to voice about I'm it. not going to do that. Uh, so now there might be some potential auditors Checking out her books. Ooh, this felt real. So she uh, has a friend, uh, Tay Colma, uh, find someone who can inject dark money uh, into her campaign against the Empire. That someone is CD financier Davos Galdun, who doesn't want a paycheck. He wants status. And to get that, he wants his son to meet her daughter, who is becoming an increasingly crazy religious person. Ryan, I have a question for you. Mon Mothma has a lot of problems going on in her life. Yeah. She's uh so Luther won't answer her calls. Yeah. Uh her husband and her are fighting constantly. She's uh she is not her increasingly religious daughter's favorite parent. Mm -hmm. If this was if there was a real housewives of Star Wars, how interesting would her storyline be? She I mean What would be her catchphrase? There's uh there, there's people in each uh, genre of the housewives that are like uh, people movers. P they, they are the force drivers behind the entire series. She would be she and the, her story is so captivating because she has the religion aspect that uh, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has. Yeah. yeah, she has the status that the Real Housewives of Dubai has, and she also has the prison sentence of yeah, the Real Housewives of, of Beverly Hills. Of Thank Beverly you Hills, so yeah. much. Yeah. It's um so she would so I just can't wait for the Real Housewives of Coruscant coming to Peacock this fall I think it is is that the is that is that right it's to Coruscant's fall but okay but honestly her sitting in a car being mad at her husband oh bitch I could you watch mean, it all you day you mean fake mad at her husband where she is pinning that, her crimes on him that turn because, so good because they she fucking knew that. That car ride was going to be recorded. It was so 
fucking good. Masterful. It's so phenomenal. You can see this woman. She hates her daughter. I love it. I know. <laughs> this woman, this person, this individual is going to become the head of the resistance, of the rebellion, yeah. and eventually of the New Republic. I cannot is, fucking wait. It's is so this good. a character that has is in any way connected to any other Star Wars franchise? Because the name Mon Mothma... Mon Mothma was in Return of the Jedi. Gotcha. She's the one that said many Bothans died for this information she's a, about she's a the big one. about. I this. feel like I've heard that name before. <laughs> she was also in Rogue One. She looked like I this. I feel like I heard that name before. She looks exactly like this character that's in this movie or this TV show. Um, she's wearing a lot of white. She loves a cream, uh, but I I'm very excited to see her journey and see how she falls even more because she's gonna get out of the Senate. She's gonna hate her. Her is she gonna give a speech? She better be. She tried to give a speech yeah. and that didn't happen. That's where a speech didn't work. I know. And this show's about speeches. Also, um, can I just say I love that the the Senate room was the Senate room from the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And I love that. And if you zoom in Jar Jar's just like with crossed arms like <laughs> <laughs> Um It's uh but but Lisa filibuster. Mon Mothma <laughs> is so awful. Good. She's so fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you know, so you know, said so break the tie vote <laughs> when when Vel is revealed as her cousin and she like shows up. Yeah, and then they have a sassy dinner party. Yes. Yeah, Vel, are party. you ever going to get married? And she goes, "All the good ones are taken," <laughs> just to her fucking ponytailed ass husband. Yeah, I think for I her storyline, to me, douche. those extra like. To me, it really felt like she was a well-defined character, and the extra characters in it maybe didn't get enough stage time, maybe didn't have enough contrast or conflict that I don't feel like I got a lot for them. Like I'm very excited to see what happens we'll get more. with her kind of helpful friend, Tay, uh, who's like the finance guy. Yeah. He's such a good actor, too. He was he in is. The Crown. He was in so, Coupling. So good. Yeah. Uh, also, all this is how you connect Star Wars. Make Vel related to Mon Mothma for no fucking reason because no one was expecting that or cared. That's how you actually make yeah, connections exactly. with the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Not being like, oh, I I got a BJ from Obi Wan once, you know. <laughs> so we're all, god damn! It's Remember finally that, they're telling this story. That happened. You know what Obi-Wan he called that move? Yeah. The Sarlacc Pit. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about some miscellaneous stuff. Um, we had the queer characters. The music. It's great. <laughs> I think we've recapped it. Okay, great. It's <laughs> great. What do you want me to tell you? Uh, well, all right. The thing that I think is really great about it is that it does not use any of the Star Wars themes yeah. in the music. It yeah. is its own it, entity. It's definitely inspired by some sort of things that we know, but it's not It's not the same. And we never hear... Down, 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 down. Like which I feel like nice. I got more Lord of the Rings vibes from it than I did Star Wars. Like yeah. big bombastic, you know, Philip J. Sousa type, type symphony. Yeah, yeah, not not so John Williams ish. Yeah, esque. All right, the visuals. Uh, how much more did they spend on trying to make things actually look like they fit? It looked expensive. It did, and do you know why? Because it was expensive, and the. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't film everything in that goddamn dome. Yeah. They uh, didn't the, film it in the Mandalorian dome. The G spot? What's it called? The, the G I think circle? it's called the G it's spot. It's like the G room or something like that. A C, maybe a CG room. It's, yeah. There but, might be a C in there. <laughs> but they they actually had live sets, which were so fucking. Yes. But even the visuals, I will stick by this. The, the fucking. Uh, the st- uh, the starship f- battle that uh, what's his face has oh yeah 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 that's one of the best like oh that was that that's, that scene is so good it's one of the best like starship battles we've ever fucking seen and it's short it's concise and he just gets the fuck out of there and I'm like that is how more like Star Wars needs to be it it called so back to early Millennium Falcon of just like being resourceful. And not big yes. boombastic, just resourceful. During Empire Strikes Back, exactly. when they're like going through the asteroid field, that's exactly what this reminded me of. But this was even better. And those fucking stupid lightsaber, uh, lightsaber lasers. Whoop, no, for no reason. You yeah. hated it. No, I loved it. Oh. it to me, it's the most non-Star Warsy part of it that is actually one hundred percent Star Wars. And Wars-y. that's so it weird. That th- so feels well. like the most Star Wars part. Uh, the to thing me. I the thing I worry about is that you're like shooting these lasers out. <laughs> 
I always wonder where where do lasers go? That's the real planet killer right most, there. <laughs> most lasers won't hit anything. How do you know about lasers? Because they're because we have them. Okay. You could fire if you fired a laser into space, you're not gonna hit something. You don't know these space lasers, though. but those lasers you are do literally know just, these space lasers. <laughs> those are just straight lines that are cutting in huge arcs across. the I don't galaxy. think they go as far as you think they do. Well, how far do you think I think? <laughs> I don't think you think very far at all. Uh, you, uh, uh, other miscellaneous thing, Ryan. You said this was about speeches. Um, how? Speak on that. Yeah. Well, Speechify on that. I guess I was most inspired by no everything. Everything is an ins- inspirational speech that love Star Wars in the early days. They don't really have a lot of great inspirational things that happen. Like not, not necessarily like a speech speech, and they try it with the later sequel series, like through like Luke's last talk and stuff like that. But these are the best dialogue that we've ever gotten, really, in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it's not only the speeches that worked, but the speeches that didn't, like, early on in uh, What's-His-Face when he tries to rally his troops, and they're like, uh, Yeah, the exactly, yeah. Yeah. The power of words are very powerful indeed. I thought you were going to have a grander theory about that. Not that well, people give speeches in shows. They're all written by droids. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you want from me? What do you want? I don't know. You sounded like you had a grand theory about it, and you just said they all have speeches. You're going to say this whole... This whole show is about hey, depression or did something. You know that and they I'll also, say it's hey, about speeches. This show is really about planets. Did you see how many planets they went to? Probably about lasers. Can speed. I just say no. I am actively angry now at the sequel trilogy because it could be this good and we it wasn't. We already yeah. were, Kayla. We talk about it all the time. Uh, but I'm <laughs> yes, but I'm agreeing now. No, you're a thousand percent right. Because like like, yes, we know Rogue One was fantastic. Um, even though I think it has some problems, I think it gets better by the time it gets to the third act. This show, I want the people behind the show to continue Star Wars. Yeah. Like past, like, let's just say episode seven through nine never happened, even though I liked some of the choices. I liked some of the characters. Start the fuck over and just tell me the story of a fragile piece after they beat the Empire and what actually could happen. And you know what's the great, have a set story, right? Yes. Know how how many seasons, know what movie you're going to do, know, know what you're, know where the game plan is, right? Right. Is the, is the idea. We basically do have the fucking game plan because we're always playing within these movies. This is how the Star Wars universe forms. So we're finally doing it. Can't we just do that with the movies? Let's just do that with the movies. Let's plan out the movies again. I would love the synergy of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America Winter Soldier that there is some show like this that is plodding along, doing like intricate stuff, and then you had some larger, maybe it's not as nuanced, but still relatively nuanced story that is making major plot points for the show underneath. But that requires planning, which they do not. Yes. And it requires changing the type of audience member you have. Yeah. Which they are anathema to. Correct. But for this show in particular, where do you want to see it go? How many seasons do you think it should have? Is it just five? Is it just, it will just be one more season. That's already been told. Oh. No, I thought it was two more. It's going to be two seasons total, is my understanding. And then Uh, the second season leading. I'm going to Google this right now while you talk. All Um, right. Okay, Google. Uh, the second season is supposed to lead into Rogue One. So that could be a pretty significant jump. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. My TV just is schooling Ryan and Brent. Kaylin's. Well, also, it's not schooling us. It's schooling that you basically asked that question earlier because that's exactly what you You could said. turn off your TV whenever, Kaylin. My TV was off. So why is it on now? It does that sometimes. I don't. <laughs> so we're getting we're getting a live feed right now, and it, it will be two seasons. We're getting this breaking news. Caitlin's wrong. It's actually going to be two seasons, not five, like he originally proposed. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Uh, why I thought it was more. I thought it was we, three at least. Can we talk about how your, your your droid doesn't respect you? My droid, my TV, my Sony droid doesn't respect me. It woke me up in the middle of the night. By telling me stuff, and I was like, "What the fuck are you what doing?" What did it tell you? I, n- I don't remember, but it was really disconcerting. What? I need to know that information at some point because I, we can really deep dive into that. Later. I don't know what it was saying to me, but it was saying stuff to me. That's another secret. I had reports. to unplug it. 
Wow. Woo. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with two seasons then. Yeah. And then. And then a movie. And a movie. And a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called Rogue One. I'm very excited. No, Rogue Rogue Zero. <laughs> I would like to see, in the way that they introduce characters in a very aggressive way, I would like to see that in the second season as well. So get thrown into another group of characters. We don't need to follow all the pre-existing ones. Don't do what Game of Thrones did and kill everyone off so we just have Sansa at the end. You know what I mean? Like, let's have That's not what happened at the end of the show. Bran was still there. Yeah, it was just Bran and Sansa. (laughs) Bransa. To me, there's a lot of elements of this that could burn longer. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that uh, Paley McWhite guy who fails up um, is just constantly after Andor, and Andor has no idea that this person has been harassing him and making his life harder and then ultimately discovers that would be great um we definitely need a romance between them the as well. two whitest people I on earth want him to just say you ruined my life and him go what, and andrew going i don't even know who what you should are. we call our son alabaster just like why the fu- like and then he becomes a would he be because they're not married would he be an alabaster yeah all right i would like yeah i want them dead at the end of this okay all right take us home brent well, that's been our podcast. Mm-hmm. We just reviewed Andor season one. We'll review seasons two, three, and four, as yeah. Kaylin says, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I those appreciate come you out. gaslighting me. Like TV is, confer- hey, TV, what do you say? It doesn't I listen to you. I think you're right, Brent. What a great idea. Kaylin, purchase 25 guns for shooting people in the face, Kaylin. I, I have actual, too soon, Ryan. I too have, soon. I have actual life. I, I'm living and 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 thinking. Don't turn me off. Throw him into a ship. No, uh, speak, I'm, a, I'm a real robot. Speaking of turning off, let's turn off this podcast. All right, there we've been Homo Superior Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. You can catch our regular issues, which come out every Friday. Mm. And, Almost uh, every Friday. We also have some bonus issues that come out on Mondays. Sometimes they're Thursdays. Sometimes it's none of your business when they come out. You won't listen. Fuck you. I'm just kidding. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.